and welcome to The Herd Has Spoken, a podcast brought to you by Muskox Men's Apparel. Episode 5, Rishi Narayan. This is a fantastic episode for those of you who are looking to get past the mental block in your head and get after that idea you've been dreaming about for weeks, months, years, or decades. Rishi Narayan is a business owner. Uh, About 300 people work for Underground Printing, a t-shirt company that Rishi started in college with no knowledge of the industry and certainly no assets to speak of. Rishi is a chemical engineer. He is now a angel investor. He is an owner of a soccer club and is a professor at the University of Michigan. This is definitely an episode for you to tune into if you have been wanting to get after it and start a new venture of some sort. With no further ado, Rishi Narayan. Rishi, welcome to The Herd Has Spoken. It's great to have you on today. Hi, Brad. Nice to see you. So I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> I've got I've to start by asking you, how are, how are you doing, right? We're in the middle of a recession, a global pandemic, tons of protests in the streets. And oh, by the way, you run a number of retail stores and we all know that retail's bit been hit you know, really bad recently. So how are you? Not as bad as airlines and hotels, but yes, we're, we're, we're up there. Uh, you know, I'm healthy and family's healthy and surviving quarantine uh and homeschool and so i think uh to put it all in in perspective i'm much better than many people out there and so you know i really like to take it in that that lens but um yeah man you know uh business is hard uh this really exposes that um and uh really forces you to go back to your roots you know sell sales if sales is what it was or customer service if that's what it was or I, mean, I would argue they are the same thing and all all part and parcel right but uh so yeah hanging in there is my go-to answer hope hope everybody's <laughs> hanging in there out there but uh uh we're we're surviving and i think it's uh for us it's like yeah we'll we got to figure out a way to come out on the other side of this you know in 12 to 18 months or whenever whenever the world kind of opens back up fully um i don't know what company will be or what what everything will look like at that time hopefully we'll be around for sure so i want to dig into two words that you mentioned and that's roots and family so i i know those are two things that are really really important to to you um so so tell us a little bit about your roots and and your family for sure so um my uh, my, my name may have been a giveaway on it but my parents are from india uh, they moved from India to Indiana, uh, where all, I mean, for obvious reasons, for sure, <laughs> so, sim- for sure. so similar, obviously. Right. Uh, and no, I've never my, known my why Arkansas is said Arkansas as opposed to Kansas. <laughs> Arkansas. They are in front of it. Never. Yeah. Understood. You know, uh, yeah, I, I agree. The, uh, India, nah, uh, really pulled, pulled my parents in. No, my dad was a, uh, was a chemist and uh, came to Purdue, went to Purdue for uh, uh, postdoc and then eventually stayed there to be a professor. 
Um, and I, my brother and I were both born in West Lafayette, Indiana. And uh, when we were eight, moved to Okemos, right outside East Lansing, which you know all too well. Uh, and then I went to school in Ann Arbor. Uh, and I had a brief stint living in Berkeley, California. So I've literally only ever lived in college towns. So I'm a college town kid. That's where I feel the most comfortable, as I will tell anyone. It's the, it's the true fountain of youth. Just live in a college town, man. That's the way to go <laughs> feel, feel young. So, um, uh, yeah, so uh, grew up in Indiana. My dad was a professor of chemical engineering, both at Purdue and then at Michigan State. And so I was a prototypical academic, academics kid, you know, definitely um, uh overachiever type you know wanted to take APs and do really well be considered one of the smartest kids in school I thought I was going to be a professor like my dad and uh, you know as I think both culturally that was important uh, and then there was just an internal pressure you know to, to quote unquote succeed and do that myself so you know that was my path and so I went to uh, you know went through high school and then wanted to go to uh, U of M and study chemical engineering University of Michigan. And, uh, you know, the reason not Michigan State, where my father was a professor, was because I just couldn't imagine myself in, in his, like, classes or anything like that. I was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to be, you know, Dr. Narayan's kid or something. Right. Fast forward to two years later, when I realized that what an idiot I was. Of course, I should have like been in my dad's classes. Like, any advantage I could have had <laughs> in college. <laughs> course course notes like nepotism I would have taken it all because <laughs> it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be and I was like what an idiot of course leg up man take it so um no I was um, I was glad of my choice it was, it was a good distance away but still close enough to home and I uh, went to uh went to them to be an engineer um that worked out really not, well huh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah as, as you allude to uh I went and uh, realized very quickly that I that I didn't really want to be an engineer. I uh, I worked in my dad's lab in high school and I really loved it. I thought it was really cool and I thought the things he did was cool. And it was only sitting in uh, like intro to thermodynamics my sophomore year that I was like, what is this? This is nothing like what I thought it was going to be. And I slowly began to realize that what I loved was that my was entrepreneurship. My dad was an entrepreneur. He licensed in technologies back to himself and created businesses. And I just thought that was chemical engineering. Little did I know that was what he did. And that's not really, that was just a facet, a very small facet of chemical engineering. So um, I was lucky enough to stumble into t-shirts along the way in college uh, through a chance encounter with a tow truck driver. Um, I busted up Ford Probe GT Turbo and a couple run-ins with uh, with uh, breaking down and 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 this uh, this jack of all trades type uh, tow truck driver who used to print T-shirts in in town. So my partner Ryan Greg and I we uh, we were you know we were easily distracted from our studies. Let's just put it that way. And so if there was something out there we were going to do it. I was in like student government and this and that and like anything else I could take you do to like be busy. And uh, we ended up uh, deciding to. Uh, take this guy out to dinner, offer to buy all of his t-shirt equipment, old, old t-shirt equipment, and uh, start a t-shirt company. And, and that's, that's what we did. And I'll uh, fast forward 20 years, 19 years, and <laughs> still printing t-shirts to this day and still, uh, still enjoying it. 
I, I mean, I love your story so much because it, it talks about hard work and dumb luck and being willing to just take a chance and combining it all together. And a lot of dumb luck. <laughs> and, and that's true. And I've also found, and I'd be interested in your take on this, is that I, I certainly believe the harder you work, the luckier you get. I, I, I agree. I, you know, I agree, but I also feel like um, there are a lot of hard workers out there that, did, that, didn't, that didn't get lucky, for sure. I think hard work is a subset to a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of us, you know, like we believe and we are hard workers. I think it's actually the more you open yourself up to opportunities and potential chance of failure, the more, the luckier you get. And maybe it's not luck. It's just that like some of them hit. But when you close down and you don't open yourself up to a lot of opportunities, you don't feel as lucky, but you also don't feel the, um, you know, the, the ups and downs, so to speak. So, you know, I think the, it really, there's a, there's a training to like, just take a chance at stuff, take a chance at stuff and maybe throw your ego aside, which is hard to do, throw, you know, uh, maybe any um, savings aside, you know, these are, these are difficult things. And um, I you know, I, I remember like I, when we started the company, I started, you know, at a very early age, you know, sophomore in college, just got to get, you know, get a lot of kudos for being so young. Oh, you know, wow, you know, you're, you're running a business, which, you know, in college was really like guys like, you know, having a good time slinging shirts and running all over campus. It didn't really become a real business till later on, but, but we got a lot of kudos for that. And honestly, I, I feel bad now because like it was easy then. I had no risk, no responsibility. Mm -hmm. It all went up in flames. We could have moved on and been fine. Uh, the real risk and responsibility would be with a mortgage and responsibilities mm -hmm. and a partner, spouse, kids, you, you know, a life, people to take care of. Like when you risk it, then that's, that's trickier. That's a much difficult proposition. So I don't even, I, you know, I don't think it's something where it's like, oh, we, how, you got to open yourself up to opportunities. That's a timing thing. That's a, are you in the right place thing? And, and hopefully you are able to put yourself in a position to do that. And sometimes sheer hard luck and sheer will can get you there. So, yeah, I want to I talk about the present time and then go back to that experience that you had in college. So now, you know, under, undergrad printing, uh, custom t-shirt manufacturer and, and retail stores and a whole bunch of college stores you've got over 250 employees. Is that, is that about right? Uh, it was, um, it's, um, it's fluctuating in these days, but yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, fair enough with the, the retail. Yeah. We'll talk about all things in, in 29, end of 2019, uh, uh, things, but yes. Uh, it, I, you know, hopefully again, I'm back up to 250. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's your 50 employees ish. You're, you're in a number of different college towns. You've also started an angel investment, uh, group, you own a soccer club, the you know AFC Ann Arbor, and um, you're you're certainly still running this business. So you're you're a busy man. Oh, by the way, you're also uh, teaching classes at the University of Michigan in entrepreneurship. And you mentioned something that I think is is really important. You said, hey, like being able to get over your your ego and get over the the opportunity of failure and the fact that frankly you you will fail. So how did, how did you learn that? Right. I mean, some of it, it might've been dumb luck, but I, I feel like for so many people that are listening to this, there's that one thing that they've been thinking about doing for a really yeah. long time and something 
is standing in their way. So yeah, how, how did you get over it that very first time? And what was it that was standing in your way? So I'll tell you about the first time, but I'll also tell you like, it isn't a past tense. It isn't how did you get over it and never had to get over again. I have to get over it every single time. So I'll tell you about the first time and then I'll tell you about the last time. So the first, I think getting over it the first time for me was, um, uh, I talk about, uh, I've talked about this before, but basically it was understanding that I was not going to be at the top of my class in at U of M in chemical engineering that I wasn't into it as much as maybe others were and that that wasn't going to be my path. Uh, I could take classes and do okay and, you know, graduate and get the degree, but I, that wasn't going to be what I wanted to do. Um, I was fortunate enough to learn what I wanted to do while I was in school um, by opening myself up to opportunities. Um, but many friends, many people that you and I both know only learn what they want to do after they graduate and take a career in what they think they're supposed to do. And then only learn that three down, three years down the line, right? They get it wrong. I was lucky, lucky to have gotten it right. But I do think that, um, the way that I did it, uh, the first time around was by just saying like, I, I can juggle a lot of things and that's not necessarily always true, but it, it came from this idea that like, I never, I stopped defining success as getting an A or being at the top of my class, even though that's how I was raised to be. And, and, and I, I, in, in hindsight, in retrospect, I think a lot of that was my own internal pressure I put on, came from cultural, came from my peers, came from whatever it might be, but it was in, but the majority of it was internal pressure I put on myself. And once I kind of got, made that realization, got over that, had something else to kind of put my chips into a little bit. It wasn't just going to be school. I was like, oh, I'm doing this thing as well. And I want to be good at that. And now, you know, I started to develop this kind of strategy at that time of the fast B, which is basically like, you know, you don't need the A, get to the fast B because in, in real life, nobody cares if you got the A, they just care if you got there, you know, and, and how, and did you get there in time? Essentially. For sure. Thanks coach powers. And, Good lesson. Yeah. Thanks. Coach Powers. That's right. That's right. Thanks coach powers. Uh, uh, great lesson. And so I, um, so that was the first time, but here's the thing is like, I, I can preach about that all day long, but I, uh, I went to start a podcast a year ago, uh, and I had been talking about it for three years. And honestly, it was like, well, you know, how big is it going to be? And like, how successful am I going to be at it? And, uh, I essentially like talked myself out of it. I was like, well, but if I don't have a lot of listens and you know, what are people going to think about it? And, and I just like, I don't know what day it was. I don't know when it happened. I, it may very well could be after some of the things that we talked about, you know, ourselves, you and I. And I was like, what am I, what am I doing? Like I'm preaching and talking and teaching kids about taking a chance and what's the definition of success. And here I am being like, I'm not going to do this because I'm worried about success. And right. is it worth my time? It's like, yeah, it may not be worth your time, but you've been talking about it for years. You're really into it give it a shot, give it a go. And that was really that. And that was two years ago. And after I would, you know, have been well, well on my career. So I, I truly do think it's not a thing that you get over the hurdle and you're done. It's you have to do it again and again. And you know, startups the same way. You have to start a business every three to five years because you lose those skills. You lose the ability to like put it all out there. It goes away. I think you have to like keep, keep honing it. I think in some ways it's actually harder once oh, you've yeah. achieved some success because oh yeah you have this expectation of the results but 
success doesn't come from previous successes. Sure, you learn some things along the way, but anytime you're doing something new, there's a whole lot of effort. There's a learning curve. And oh, by the way, there's like your expectations as you get older, go yeah. higher and higher and, and higher. And, and, I'm, and I'm curious, you know, how, how do you, how do you overcome, how, how do you overcome that? Right. Or, or how did you o- overcome that? Right. Cause in, in college it was kind of like you had the serendipity moment of this tow truck driver, which yeah. was, was sort of a nice kick in the ass for, for you to actually start this t-shirt company. And you, you probably didn't have that, you know, podcast, you know, r- run in where suddenly you're talking with, uh, you know, Tim Ferriss on, yeah, the, on right. the subway, right? Yeah, so, no, I didn't have the, I didn't have the golden goose guest that was going to like drive me to, you know, you know, a hundred million listeners or anything like that for sure. I think that, um, I actually think that part of it was rooted in the dichotomy between say chemical engineering and printing t-shirts. So at the time when you, when we started that business, you know, there like, you know, it wasn't, you weren't raising money by and large, you know, unless you had like you amazingly had developed some amazing technology or something like that at a young age, but you weren't creating apps. There wasn't the tech infrastructure and you weren't really raising money. Most people that were starting businesses were selling something uh, or, or, or providing a service, but essentially it was all sales of some sort, advertising, websites, whatever it might sure. be. And I was, I had so much of my own self-worth and uh, ego kind of in this idea that I was a, an engineer, you know, a chemical engineer, not even any, I was a, that was a difficult major and I was taking a difficult, you know, course. And um, that was where a lot of my pride was. And to then kind of go into this world of like, yeah, but, you know, printing t-shirts, which you know, for, for a while, like I, I didn't even want to own up to, I kind of put it on the side. It was like, I had to print, I do this fun thing on the side, but I'm a, I'm an engineer. Like, that's what I do. I'm a grad student, you know, still, that's what I do. Um, but because they were so far apart in my mind, I don't even, I don't believe that anymore, but because they, at that right. time they were so far apart, that was the, like kind of humbling for me to some degree, right? At that certain point I graduated from grad school, couldn't say I was a student anymore. So when someone asked what I did, I had to basically say, you know, this is, this is what I do. I print t-shirts. And to this day, you know, I like to start, like if people ask me what I do, I, I, my preferred answer is to say I print t-shirts. And then if the conversation goes somewhere from there, I can tell them like how and why in my story and, and what my company does. Um, but I usually put the ball in, in the other person's court if that's, if that's where they want to go. Um, Cause I, I want to make sure that I'm still good with the fact that if, if I, by and large, at the end of the day, if you're like, hey, cool, walk away, and you think, oh, Rishi, he prints t-shirts, that's good with me. I'm good with that. One of the things I think is pretty interesting here that I, I have never talked with you about is you started you started underground printing when you were an undergrad. Was it your sophomore year? Yeah, sophomore year. It was technically called A1 screen printing at the time because phone A1 book. was uh, first in the phone book, yeah. I love it. I love it. So, so you start this this business after um, after start, you know, starting another business, building lofts inside of dorms yeah and you've now been working at this for three years right you've you you've, you worked for it through your sophomore year your junior yep. and your senior year so you're growing this t-shirt business and at that point you kind of know this is what you want to do but you decide to get a master's degree which is interesting right because a lot of the people that we talked with it's like you can't hedge, 
if mm. you want to go after something as a startup, sure, you can do the side hustle if you have another job. But there comes a moment of truth where you've got to quit your job and you're either going to yeah. find out you can do it or you can't. And, and I'm curious here, what made you decide to continue down the academic pursuit? Was that more of an identity thing where you weren't ready to sort of identify as a, as a t-shirt guy? Yeah. It, it was a, uh, what I thought I should be, what my definition of success was, what I thought my path was supposed to be. And it was supposed to be rooted in academics and it was supposed to potentially be you know, this success level. Um, I wasn't ready for that, you know, and I, I still needed to be able to tell people I was doing, I, there was a lot of pride in being able to say I was getting my master's in chemical engineering. Was that coming you know, from I your family? Lying. I think it was coming from me and it was, uh, and it was rooted within like the success of my family and where my dad had, had done and that I took a lot of pride in that, took a lot of pride Absolutely. in that, still do, you know, um, and the, uh, I, I think I've told you this, but like to some degree, you know, like why am I teaching at U of M? It's because that's kind of me paying a homage to my dad. You know, like that's something I got to tell him I was doing, and now I do it for me. But yeah, that was that was a factor, right? So, um, I I think that uh, I really needed to uh, learn that lesson. So I needed to be able to tell people about that. And then looking back on it, you know, look it really did teach me a lesson about hedging. I don't, I think that um, I'm a believer in hedging. I'm not a believer in taking a big bet and then going all in. I think when you take other people's money, then you have to go all in. Uh, yeah, it's hard to convince someone that you can like hedge three things when you've taken right. a million dollars or something like that. Yeah. But when you're, when you're playing with house money, so to speak, or, you know, little friends and family or whatever, then yeah, why not wait until you see if you've gone to the tipping point? Why not hit, hit that level? Um, it doesn't always work out that way, but when you can do it, I'm a, I'm an advocate in that because that is the fast B and that is that kind of mentality. And so it did, it provided me a two, two more years of runway to see whether this was the thing that we were going to do. And, and you know, that, to be completely honest, the first year, year and a half, like we were figuring it out and we were take, we were going at our own pace and that was cool. Right. So like nowadays I, you know, I, I think, and like, that's not how business gets started, but then it was like, it was a side gig, it was a side hustle. We sold like we didn't sell hundreds of jobs that first year. We sold like 10 jobs the first, you know, 15, right. jobs, whatever it was, right. you know, we learned hard lessons about cash flow and collections and payables and all that stuff. And it just came in a small dose and then it went from there. So, um, you know, I, it was definitely an identity thing, but in, in hindsight, it, what it, it helped develop and uh, frame like my beliefs in, in hedging and uh, risk taking, you know, that I don't believe that entrepreneurship is risk taking. I think it's, it's smart hedges, smart bets and making the right decision more often than not. And, and for you, I'm asking you to put your investor hat on and I'd like to come back to this in just a minute, why you've decided to become an investor, but what makes for a good investment, right? Like what, what makes for a good risk versus return ratio where you're, you're not taking that risk, so to speak, but you're, you're actually yeah. making a, a smart investment. You know, I look, I'm, that's still an area I'm learning. Like, all, <laughs> like, uh, like all, like all areas, I would say I learned a very interesting lesson when it came, when it comes to investments pretty early on where there was a, um, company that we were pretty enamored with and I'll leave all the names out of it. Um, but there was a company we were pretty enamored with uh, was really doing really well it was in a space I knew really well and it was going really well. The founder 
we weren't lukewarm on. But we loved the company and thought he had basically just stumbled into something that was was gold. Right. And we thought we thought, okay, it's all right because he can take our criticism and we can guide him. Like this business is great. He's all right, but this business is great. <laughs> we bet on the horse, horse. and not the jockey. And uh, a couple years later, that turned disastrous for me. Uh, and a couple years after that, uh, company tanked. And it was a hard lesson for me, but a good one about, you know, of course it's cliche. Of course you bet on the person and not that, but, but no, but when it's really attractive, when the horse is really, really going to win, like you really have a feeling about that horse and the jockey you don't know about, like, it's really, it's tempting every single time it's tempting. And it's just, that was a good lesson to learn. It's like, it doesn't matter how awesome the horse is, how fast the horse is, the jockey's no good it's not going to win. And, uh, so that, that was the investing lesson. So if you're talking about like what makes a good investment, I think as long as you invest in the person, even if it fails, it's worth it. Uh, because the right person, you know, uh, is going to figure it out, you know, and we have, we have friends of ours who are great operators who have like gone through iterations of companies and come, come through on the other side, you know, right. and, uh, I won't name names to put anyone, uh, make anyone blush out there but you know it we we have mutual friends that are like that and I, and I feel good about those and and so for me investing really is um it's b school for me it has been uh, i've told, like i've always owned up to this is like i for don't sure. really expect to get an roi on a lot of my investments um there are areas uh i'm interested in people i'm interested in and i just tend to be a person that likes to learn by you know putting my own chips in and i really learn well that way and so if i can derive the knowledge out then it's it's tuition uh, that's how I look at it. And if it, and if I get an exit and some money back, then that's, that's just gravy on top of it. I think that's, that's fascinating. Right. And, and it, it reveals a lot of your thinking because you've grown a really successful business with underground printing. You're, you're busy. You, you mentioned it's hard to run a business. I can attest to that, right? Ask anyone who's run a business, they will tell you it's hard to run a business and you're still running the business. And yet you chose to invest that incremental hour of time, not in running the business, but in investing in other businesses. And, and, and I think that's really interesting because we all learn so much when you can step outside of running the day-to-day -day business. So it's always one of the, the phrases I really like is <clears throat> work on the business, not in the business. In the business, that's right. Because that's right. It, it, it's so hard to do that. And I think this speaks volumes about your approach to, to learning. And maybe that's, you know, again, goes back to your, your upbringing and who you are yeah. and what defines you. So it's not like, hey, how do I squeeze an extra dollar out? Although that's, that's clearly important, running a business, an investor. But it's, yeah. how can we learn to make sure we're growing and making things happen for the long term? hundred percent. I think that once I started, I did, I think I did feel some guilt. Like I was, I wanted to, is interested in other things. And, um, you know, I wanted to get involved in other things and I did feel a little bit of guilt. And it was only until like, I realized I was, I was really attracted in, into companies and markets and areas that had some, some tangential tie in back. Like the, all the things I like are have tie in some way. And so they've all really kind of worked together in some manner. They've been able to benefit and aid each other. And I've learned things uh, that from one that have applied to other, even with the podcast, you know, it's like, 
all right, learn this over here. This ties in over here, sponsors, this, that market it, you know, it all, it, it's on me. I don't feel guilty about it because it's on me. And I think I hold myself accountable to that to derive the knowledge there to apply in other places and, and vice versa. It's like, uh, if I, if I just walk through it as, and look at it just like an investment piece, then that I think is maybe uh, quote unquote selfish. But if I look at it like, all right, what am I going to learn? And so, right. you know, I've actually pulled back from investing a little bit because as I've invested in startups or whatever that actually have grown, the reality is, is that as a very, like the seed round investor is like, I've lost, I lose that connection to the founder pretty quickly mm-hmm. unless I have like a personal connection to them. Um, and uh, then what was the point? Because I'm just going to get diluted down anyway. And, and rightly so, like I'm a very small piece of that puzzle. Right. And um, so it was just, I lost the fun. I'd rather be, I'd rather it be small and be close than to be, to be, have gotten to series B or series C round and be very far from it and still not profitable, still not exited. And, you know, who knows, like 10 years later, five years, whatever it might be. So um, I've actually pulled back and I think I'm more interested in um, businesses that, oh, I know I'm more interested in businesses that don't have aspirations of exiting and don't have aspirations of raising multiple rounds, but have aspirations of raising one round and then existing and turning a profit or whatever. And so those are the ones that I'm really more interested in these days. That's one of my favorite things about where we are in this climate is that people have come around to valuing profitability. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously it's not, a, we, it's, not a, it's not a negative word anymore. No, no. I mean, we work Uber, Lyft, Fiverr. I mean, there's a lot of examples out there of, yeah. of those companies. So it's, it, it is great to, to see profitability. Okay. Well, listen, I, I want to be respectful um, of your time here, but before I let you go, um, I'm, I'm curious to understand as someone, um, who's been running a business for a while, and obviously there's great benefit for people to get a chance to work in a startup or a high growth, you know, bit business. What is, what have you seen as the number one characteristic, um, that you now seek out when you're hiring new people? So what, what's the one characteristic, um, that, that you found to be most valuable? Um, I, the number one characteristic I think that I think is the most valuable, but I don't know that I can seek it out. Cause I think it's one of those things that you just don't know right away, but I'm like, I feel very confident in is it's all about communication. I think all problems go about stem to communication. All success stems from great communication. It all ends up on communication. When things fail, it was lack of communication or broken communication. And when things succeed, it's because you were able to communicate better or faster or more efficiently, tell your story better, whatever it might be. And so lately I've just been breaking down all problems down to communication or all successes down to great communication, you know, or, or, or poignant communication, whatever it might be. Um, and so I think that those, um, those managers, those leaders, those that can tell the story well, you know, communicate well, and, and look, and that's something that's learned and it's learned with each new triumph and each new tribulation, you know, like, I don't think it's something like once you've learned to communicate that it sits just like all things like, okay, well now you change your audience has changed you know, generations, there's lots of different ways, you know, that communication just basically needs to revamp and revamp. And you could have been a great communicator five years ago and not be one now. And, you know, it's like those people that can talk to any audience at any time, at any age, those are really impressive people. Right. So, um, 
I, and I feel like I've always, uh, I've always really admired great orators and I, and great stories. I, I know this is one of the reasons I like, I wanted to start a podcast on my end was because I just love like, that's a, it's really a really noble, really aspirational thing. Like, you know, great graduate commencement speeches. You know, I, I eat those things up. I love great commencement speeches, right? They're really expiring. Um, you know, that that's what I loved about uh, President Obama. <laughs> he was just like such a great speaker, such a like, motivational when it was all said uh, as compared to the predecessor, you know, the, you know like, you know, who, who followed him. So um, the, the reality is, is that I... Uh, I, I, I've always put so much value into that and been so awe-inspired by that. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's just because great communicators really have their way, you know, way with our minds and our hearts. You know, I, I think there's something to, to that. Yeah. And what, what I think is interesting is that's not a lesson just for hiring at a company. No. Yeah. <laughs> that's for anywhere. Yeah. I mean, if you're a good communicator. Your relationships are going to be a lot healthier your, yeah. and you know, your business, your nonprofit, your community, your school, whatever it is, like it's going to be more successful. So how the, I mean, how the hell can you get better at that? Like what, what, what have you seen people do to improve uh, I know their communication? A couple of my lessons learned that I've had, um, people I work with that have, you know, taught me some hard lessons, given me some, you know, hard feedback. Um, communication is not all about speed. It's not all about getting that out there faster. Right. Um, Sometimes you really have to slow, slow down, you know, and, and wait, uh, give people time to adapt. Like there is a cause for that. That actually can get you places faster than trying to just pull every along with you. I was very guilty of that, um, at, you know, earlier in my career and maybe still, maybe till, till this day, I'm still maybe pushed too, too fast. Um, so those are, that's, that's an example. Um, you know, I think obviously how you communicate, it's really easy to like, I, I tend to be verbose uh, in in long-winded in emails. And I think, uh, you know, I've been reading a lot about like, look, it's, if you wouldn't say the word out loud and don't type it, you know, things like that, you know, it's like, you don't it's use true. that word in your normal everyday vocabulary. You can't expect people to read it in, in emails, right? So things like that. I think I, I really like those lessons and tips and really try to like take them to heart and how things are broken down in my, um, in class, I actually take a little bit of time to talk about like how to write emails, best ways to sign off, best ways to get your email. I mean, it is marketing, uh, you know, at, at to some degree, but also it's just like, hey, you want a professor to respond back quickly. How would you sign off on that? Or how would you word the email? Um, that's communication. Communication is oftentimes about how you write emails these days as opposed to how you write letters or whatever, right? So uh, we talk a lot about tone. I think uh, for a long, I, I know a lesson that I, a lesson early on is we tried to, uh, I told people, you know, when they were emailing back and forth or communicating in our systems, like don't waste time putting thanks or thanks for your help or anything. Like everyone knows everyone else is thankful. That's one extra email, one extra thing to click on or whatever. Like that's a waste. That's inefficient. It is true. It probably is inefficient, but you know what? We're humans and it's nice to be able to say thanks and it's worth the inefficiency at the end of the day. And so I have completely changed my tune, you know, over the years on that one. And I think it is worth it to follow up with a thanks or, uh, you know, you know, thanks for helping or this looks great or whatever. Uh, even if it's the only thing in the email and it just is, pulls it back up in your inbox or pulls it back up in your queue or whatever it is, mm -hmm. still it's worth it. And that's because that's, that's what makes us go. It's what makes us tick. Well, I think that's a great final lesson here. Relationships trump efficiency. 
relationships are efficient. No, I'm just kidding. There you go. There you go. Well, Rishi, thank you so much for joining us. Where, where can the, the, the good folks of the Muskox herd follow you and listen to your podcast? Uh, my podcast is, uh, called South you stories. Uh, it is potentially pending a name change, but you know, we'll, we'll keep the redirect on South go there and check it out. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm around Rishi and Ryan, feel free to drop me a line. Uh, uh, you can reach me at uh, rishi at undergroundshirts.com. Undergroundshirts.com is where you'll find underground printing. Um, there was one thing before we go I had, I had to say. So, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Muscox customer, as you know. I, uh, I have a uh, uh, flannel and a Henley. But I did happen to go back. I was just, you know, checking check out the site as of recently. Oh, I, because it was because of your email blast you just sent out a couple of days ago. And uh, I was watching the, I went to, a, went to a product and I was watching this video, this model, like modeling it in video. It's like, why is that dude so pissed? Like he's he like no smile. smile on his face, <laughs> no smile on his face. Oh, that's my friend Brad, the smiliest person I know who literally didn't smile in the whole thing. I know. So I know. you should have it. You Don't should have be angry. Model. Yes. You should have a talk with that model. He's, uh, he is, uh, he's got some work to do. For for sure, he he's got a lot of work to do. I don't I don't know that he's really uh, you know cut out for modeling, but uh, he he does have the right um, compensation ask. So we're we're happy with it. we're happy with that, and and we hope we can grow uh, we can grow together with with him. So we'll we'll, we'll coach him up, get him to get him to smile. All right, good, good. His what? beard is good. I mean, his beard is solid. <laughs> so that, that's that's a start. Uh, well, thank you so much, Rishi. We really appreciate Thanks you for having joining us, man. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take Bye care. now.